Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. This is the final eve, uh, final morning of our Christmas series. Uh, I think it's probably item seven in that series, and and uh, over the various weeks of December, and uh, starting a new uh, program series in in the new year. And of course, it's the end of the year. It's actually the end of a decade. This is this is quite a big change point. You know, maybe today could mark a change point for you. What's the point in being in an environment, well, obviously we love each other. I'm looking at some very friendly faces. Most of you are friendly. (laughs) Most of you are. (laughs) Some I don't know, but I'm sure inside there's a a warm heart. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, cold hands, but warm. (laughs) Um, It's it's great to be in a company of such a varied group of people with different nationalities. Welcome to you as well if you've come from abroad. Many of our church are abroad. Many of our Latin groups have gone down down to South America. And, you know, it's just great to see a sort of movement of people around. But um, in this Rediscover series, we've looked at different aspects of God's nature and things that only God can give you. And if you've not heard other elements of this series, and encourage you to go back and, and perhaps listen to the podcast or see online. And in fact, welcome to the Facebook Live people who are, are coming in, perhaps they're not. Maybe Deborah's watching. Deborah's not in here, is she? No, because I'm preaching. She's supposed to be preaching this morning. So Deborah, hi. <laughs> if, you're preaching, if you're at home recovering, we're thinking of you. And thanks for letting me know on Friday that I had to cover Sunday. But um, anyway, it's going to be good. And God just, you know, I think it's not accidental that God turns things around just occasionally and mixes it up. So, uh, but God, you know, this is the end of a chapter, actually. Opening of a new chapter, potentially, by next Sunday. What could God do? We all talk about New Year's resolutions, and most of them don't last for very long, because we do it in our own kind of strength. I will lose weight. I will do this. I will do that. But anyway, let's get on with the preach. But Rediscover Christmas. Our theme this morning is Rediscover Trust in God. Rediscover Trust in God. You see, perhaps you really don't have much trust in God. Maybe you just heard about it and you, you like the idea of trusting God, but it's still there's, some, there's a gap, there's a distance, we're not quite sure. Perhaps you've been a believer for some time and actually you're so, uh, so comfortable with the Christian message that actually you're a bit too comfortable. And it may be that actually your, your um, knowledge of uh, scriptural things and biblical things actually has made you very comfortable. Uh, and actually there's a danger with that as well, let me say. Sometimes knowing too much and actually being too comfortable with the truth can actually make you a little bit complacent. And we don't really bring much trust in or express faith through trust. And so I'm deliberately talking about rediscovering trust in God. It was part of the, the planned theme for this Sunday. And uh, I'm going to explore that. Now, who likes puzzles? Anyone like puzzles? Anyone like hands up all the puzzle people? Uh, I'd, not many, actually, but a whole lot more than the first service, let me tell you. I think I was in the minority by a, by a long stretch. Well, uh, we, we did two or three puzzles over Christmas. One is still work in progress. But this is a thousand, thousand piece puzzle, good size. Uh, can do that in half an hour or so. Uh, <laughs> Or so. <laughs> um, now you can't see because your eyesight's not very good, but there's, <laughs> there's different aspects of craziness that goes on at Christmas. Obviously, it's exaggerated, but this picture on the screen 
shows, you know, a car crash, a, a, a car landing on someone's roof, uh, the, what looks like a Norman tower cracking open like an earthquake's just hit it. You know, so Christmas is full of really great stuff like snow and carol singers and Christmas trees and the warm glow of the fire. But there's also other things that you don't want, like a train driving straight down the high street uh, or, a, or there's a snowman with a swag bag. He's obviously just burgled a house. But the point is this, life can be puzzling because, because in our journey, um, stuff goes wrong. And you may be someone who understands scriptural truth, biblical truth, timeless truth, but stuff gets in the way. It, it, it kind of makes you think, is God really there? And the more we think like, am I on my own in this? Does anybody else know how I feel? Come on, you know, life is tough. The smaller our world gets, actually, our world gets really small. And all we see is that piece of the puzzle that is my piece. Now, the truth is a lot of people are going through a lot of things. But when God looks at the world, he looks at the whole world and the needs of everybody. And he's, there's a whole puzzle in the world and God is working with people right across the world in many nations. We've got many nations in this church, but there are many nations that God is wanting to reach. And the good news of Jesus coming at Christmas is to reveal God's love and for us to be able to relate to a person. So of course, the birth of Jesus at Christmas is that, that birth of God himself giving up his rights to be God, to live and be born as a child and, and to walk the journey you and I will walk. So Jesus walked through, not quite the scenes on the puzzle, but he walked through life. You know, he had at least six siblings. We talked about that on Christmas Day. Six siblings, four brothers for sure, and at least two sisters, and maybe more. And that can be tough. Who comes from a big family? Yeah. Do you get your own way? No. <laughs> so it's survival of the fittest, isn't it, almost? But, um, but, you know, bad things happen to good people. That's an expression you might be familiar with, written by a, a Jewish rabbi, actually, um, Harold Kushner. Uh, bad things happen to good people. In fact, uh, Brian was telling me it was one of the books you read when you were in a tough place. And, uh, but actually, it's, it's, it's true that not everything good happens in life, and it can be a, a tough time. And maybe you're here, and it's a tough time. But maybe you could rediscover or discover trust in Jesus Christ for the first time today. You could choose to do that. So I'm going to look at just a few principles of why trust in God and we would say specifically trusting Christ is so important because, because the trust that God wants us to have is trust that is rooted in faith and trust that is rooted in faith gets God's attention. If it's just trust in something obscure, it doesn't really get God's attention. But when it's got faith in it, faith in Jesus Christ or through Christ, uh, so faith that prays or reads the Word of God, that kind of trust, God really is drawn to that. And when he sees that happening in your life and my life, he really does want to do something with it. And it becomes something that changes us. So as we go into a new decade, if we want to see change, anyone want to see a change? Anyone want to see a, something new happen, something fresh, something exciting? Well, I'm telling you, your faith journey will take you into all sorts of fun stuff. It'll take you into some challenges, though. You will have some challenges, but God is with us. And look at this proverb, 29, 25. It says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So, um, you know, we want to be safe. We want to have some security, but God doesn't just make it easy. He, he just says, I'm with you in the storm. I'm with you on the journey. And the danger, the warning here is the fear of man lays a snare. And what's the fear of man? It's worrying what somebody else is going to think about you. You're prioritised by the way people think. The fear of man 
will bring a snare. In other words, the way human beings think about things and worrying about what other people think about you and your journey and whether you're good enough or not good enough, whether you've got the right job or the wrong job, whether, whether you, you've done this right or that. When you live by other people's opinions of who you are, then you put for yourself a snare and you will get caught up in that. You'll spend your whole life. And it's sometimes you can spend months and months and months. In fact, you can spend years snared by the opinions and the fears attached to those opinions of other people. And it's not that we don't want to respect people. It's not that we don't want to be you know, honouring of people in the right way. But some things in life will just knock you around. And this whole, let me just tell you, this isn't just for next week. Your whole next 10 years could be snared if you live in the fear of man. If you live in the fear of man, wipe away the 2020s. Wipe them away. Just say goodbye to them. Because if you live in fear of man, that's what your destiny is going to be. You're going to be snared up for the next 10 years until somebody challenges you about not living that way. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Safe, not that you won't have trouble, but that you'll get through it. That's the thing. It's getting through it. And look at this, Psalm 56, verse 3. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Who said that? King David. David did it. A man who was tried and tested. He's a very significant figure in Jewish history and Christian faith because King David worked. In fact, you know, he was a, God, a man who was after God's own heart. He was a guy with a huge heritage and history. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 56 is all about trusting God in every situation. Now we know on Christmas Day, we talked about 400 years of silence where, where God really didn't speak to humanity very much over those 400 years. We don't have much recorded, if anything, in Scripture about God speaking. And some of us get really frustrated if God didn't answer our prayer last Thursday. But imagine 400 years. We're trying to work it out. If one generation is 20 years, that's five generations in 100 years. That's 20 generations or so, or maybe even more. Imagine if you hadn't heard from God in 20 generations. I don't even know what you call a grandparent that's that old. You know, well, they're certainly not around to talk about it, for sure. But 20 generations. But God broke the silence with the birth of Jesus Christ. He broke it and said, now you will not only hear me, but you'll see me and see me through Jesus Christ. So God was revealed with the birth of Christ. And the whole point of trust um, is to help us to get through difficult times. And fear, of course, is the opposite of trust. And we get fearful when we experience loss or, or rejection, not refection, as I've got on my screen, but rejection or failure. When you experience loss or rejection or failure, then you you start to worry about that happening again. And the number of times that happens, it creates a greater degree of fear and it actually stops you having the ability to have trust. You've just got to break that cycle. Have you been let down? Of course you have. You've been let down because you trust in your possessions. You've trusted in people. You've trusted in your presumptions. And you pr trusted the promises of those who should have known better. And actually... What we've not done is really trusted God. We've not trusted Him. We've not put our trust in the right place. So the first point this morning is that trust brings new possibilities. I'm telling you, where are you going to put your trust in this coming decade, <laughs> in this 
next weekend, this coming week, where's our trust going to be? Is our trust going to be in all the stuff that falls apart or is our trust going to be in God himself? Now, that's an interesting journey because that will bring new possibilities and some new challenges. Corrie Ten Boon is a famous writer and she wrote the book, The Hiding Place. And she says this or said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid. Never be afraid. And we substitute trusting God by trusting something else. We, we, we do. We spend our time agonizing over trusting that something else that isn't actually God, it's something else. And that something else is not really reliable. But God is. And it's wondering and working through that process. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God known God. And of course, Corrie ten Boone, what a story behind her life. If you've never read the book, The Hiding Place, do read it. She was uh, a Dutch watchmaker, um, very skilled actually. She was the first woman watchmaker accredited in Holland in her generation. And, uh, and, uh, and they had a real heart for those who were being persecuted under the Nazi regime and Dutch nationals and people coming through. They had a, 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 a hidden hidey hole in the house. And then a sort of a kind of alarm system set up so in case they were getting, you know, the, 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 the Gestapo or whoever it was were coming, they could, they could get people into this hidey hole. I think seven people at a time could, could stay in a room behind her bedroom. You've got to have trust in God if you're going to take your life into your hands and, and do that kind of thing. And of course, they helped many Jews uh, who were trying to flee that persecution. But never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Another principle about trust. The greater the degree of trust, the greater the degree of mobility. In other words, trust moves you forward faster. Without trust, you will not move forward fast. You may even get, not only will you get stuck, you may even go backwards. And life doesn't stand still. Stuff is always, always, always moving. And, um, and God is moving with society and with the times. And God wants us to be willing to move through relational changes, circumstantial changes, you know, career changes. God's in all these things. And it says in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with not part of your heart, not part of your heart, not the bit that is godly, but the whole of your heart. Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make, your, uh, make straight your paths. Not part of our heart. And we hide stuff from God. You know, what are you hiding from God right now? What's hidden? That bit that's hidden is the bit that God's actually really interested in. Because the, the, uh, he knows it all anyway. He says, I want the bit you've hidden from me. What's been hidden? What, what's the, what's, is there sin in there? Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's real sadness. Maybe you have felt that you've been a victim of something that you should never have been a victim of. Maybe, maybe you had an experience that, that is so painful to you. You've hidden it away, but it's in your heart. You can't even bring yourself to talk to God about it. But, but God wants to, you to trust him in everything, even the difficult places, even the most regretted places. God wants you to trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Literally, don't put all your confidence in your understanding because your own understanding's got you to today. You are today the sum total of your understanding. That means tomorrow, if you're going to change and grow and become what God wants you, that understanding has got to change. 
It's got to shift. But if you lean on all the past only, your future will just be a repeat of your past. And you don't want to just repeat your past. You want to take the best out of the past, grow in it, learn from it, but build something new with God. Trust in Him because He's going to build your future and it will move it quickly. If you don't have that willingness to change, then you'll be stuck. You know, a little story. Um, um, there's a little picture on the screen on the bottom right-hand corner. Nobody in the first service got the picture. Where is it? It's, it's the north face of the Eiger in Switzerland. And I've been snowboarding there a few times. And a couple of years ago, the weather was so bad on that mountain. And in fact, the, you can go up the Jungfrau Jok, which is a, a railway that runs to the highest point in Europe on the side of that mountain. Um, and even that train, they stopped it. It was so bad. The weather was so bad. The winds were so high. Gale force winds, hugely gale, gale. You couldn't stand up, literally. It would blow you down. And we got stranded in a little cafe up the side of the mountain. And then someone said, oh, the, the weather's breaking. The weather's breaking. It's great. We can get out. So me and some skiers, we came out. And we thought, oh, great. We can do this. We can battle the storm of the snow and everything. Couldn't see anything. And they accidentally took us down one of the worst black runs, which is super, super steep. And they'd forgotten that not only should they not have gone down the black run, but in this kind of weather, all the snow gets blown off the slopes. So you're, you're basically on sheet ice. And as we got to the you can't go up. <laughs> can't climb up. You can't go sideways because you fall off the mountain. You have to go down it. And the trust in your equipment at that point is hopeless, let me tell you. I was on my backside trying to catch any bit of snow I could. Eventually got down, but skiers were going down on their heads and backwards. It was just terrible. And you just didn't. But the point is this. You can't actually really move quickly if you can't trust the scenario or the situation. You're totally dependent on whatever else blows around in your world. You may end up upside down, off balance, in the wrong place or off the edge. You might go over. You might, anything can happen when your trust is in the wrong place or in the wrong thing. You certainly won't move under your own steam very easily. This is a thought. Hope inspires you to start a journey, but trust enables you to take each new step. And there's a difference. Hope, you know, some of you will have been in over the Christmas carol services and, and on Christmas Day and, and been in church services and, and you felt inspired about what God could do. But it's going to take trust for you to step forward in that faith, to step towards that hope, to step towards that change in your life, to step towards the promises of God. It's going to take trust, which means you've got to be willing to step into new things and take a, a courageous new step. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8 brings another principle of trusting God, that trusting God always brings blessing. Always brings blessing. God, trusting in God. Not a lot of other things you can trust in will bring blessing, but God's blessings are very, very special. And Jeremiah 17 brings us this thought. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. It's not just in him, but it is him. He is trust. He is where your trust needs to be. And this person is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stem um, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. There will be a year of drought. You may have just come through a year of drought. You may, you, there is a year of drought. God doesn't hide that. You may have a dry year or a dry season. But with our trust reset in God himself, trusting in Jesus Christ, the visible image of the invisible God, Scripture tells us, then you become stronger and you become planted 
and your roots will go deep down. And I was saying this earlier today, you can't, I can't see where your roots are going down. I have no idea where your roots are. Only you know where they are. Your roots are your roots. Where you put your roots and how you let those roots grow is down to you and your relationship with God. Your roots are your roots. And it's your choice to be planted where God has put you to be planted. Let those roots, and roots love to find the water. They'll find it. Your roots, let your roots grow. Don't, don't live cautiously too much. Just let those roots grow. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stem. And it says in here, for its leaves remain green. And I was intrigued by remaining green. And I thought about that for a moment. And I was thinking about how do plants feed themselves? And I haven't done GCSE biology for a couple of years. <laughs> a couple more years, in fact. Um, it's been a long time. And I was trying to remember how do plants actually feed? Is it through the roots or is it through the leaves? And actually, I had to remind myself, plants feed through their leaves. Did you know that? The roots just provide a source for water, H2O, and some nutrients. But the actual feeding takes place through the leaves. Why? That's called photosynthesis. A star star, I think I just gave myself. <laughs> and, and what happens is carbon dioxide is absorbed through those leaves. And um, you get H2O, water, hydrogen, and oxygen sucked up through the stem. And what those leaves do through photosynthesis, the... The, the greenness in the leaf attracts the heat, the sunlight, the sunlight, and it breaks down those chemical components and reproduces new components, and the sugars the plant needs to live on come through that process. And what's secreted is all the oxygen, because the helium, hydrogen, sorry, H2O, the hydrogen is separated from the oxygen, and the hydrogen is part of the sugar creation process. And the oxygen it doesn't need gets secreted back out, and you and I live. That's how it works. And the whole planet can survive because green plants are producing oxygen for us. And of course, plants are one of the most important food sources in the world. And so, you know, in this conversation, why are the leaves, is it important that they're green? Because it shows that there is food being created for the plant, but that is not only helping the plant, it's helping everything around it, its community, its society. Everything else is affected by the process of what goes on in you and I when we're planted well and we grow and we have our green leaves. You may think it's really complicated or simple. Either way you look at it, God plans for us to influence community. And don't be anxious about that because it will just happen. You don't need to know how it happens, it just will. And you will bear fruit. And fruit is always for the consumer of the fruit. It's not for the tree itself. And so whatever fruit you produce is going to help feed other people. It's going to produce something in other people's lives. So when we put our trust in God, it leads to blessings in you and me, but everybody else gets blessed as well. And that's how you know whether you've really got trust. Now that's what everybody else can see. They can't see your roots, but they can see your fruits. Did you like that one? That just came out of, can't see your roots, but they can see your fruits. And that's why seeing fruit is so important. So Charles Stanley, father of Andy Stanley, said this once, adversity is one of God's most effective tools for strengthening our faith. That's the bit we don't like, because the adversity is where we get refined. It's that 
refinement process. And we're going to talk about transformed in this new series. And there is a refinement, transformational process that God puts into our lives. I'm so looking forward to that new series starting next week. But adversity is one of God's most effective tools for strengthening our faith. It made me think about King David. The psalm that David wrote about trusting God. Remember we read that verse about trusting God, trusting God. David knew that through his own experience. And I just was thinking about this. And I was thinking about David and the trials he had. And I was thinking about the giants in his life. And there were many, but there was a physical giant, Goliath. And in 1 Samuel 17, you can read the story about how everyone was terrified of the giant. But David, David had courage in his life. It came out of his trust in God. And he was willing to go where others wouldn't go. And David said to the Philistine, he was in finally in front of this giant in the battle. And if you haven't read the story or you can't remember it, go back and read it. But he was confronted with the giant. And the giant said to him, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come in the name of Jesus. That's who the Lord of hosts is, by the way. It's Jesus. I come in the name of Jesus. I come in the name of one who is bigger than me. I don't have to fight with your tools. I don't have to fight with your weapons. I don't have to fight with somebody else's armour. I don't have to wear Saul's armour. I can come as I am with as little as I have and I can see a giant defeated. Maybe coming into the new decade of 2020, maybe you need to see some giants defeated. Maybe in order to rethink what faith is all about for you, you need to kill off some giants. Maybe, you know, I'm not talking about other people here. You know, just be careful. I'm not advocating violence or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just saying... This might be a metaphor for something else going on in your life, but um, we can defeat those giants. God has equipped us just with a tiny stone. You don't have to fight the way the world fights. You just have to know who the Lord of hosts is. You just need to know authentically who Jesus Christ is. You just need to know how to pray and ask him to guide you. You just need to know how to understand as he speaks to you through his word. And the power of fellowship with others is where it's why we have small groups in the church so that people can fellowship and pray together and get through some of the battles because there are some tough battles out there. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. This day there will be suddenlies. And there are sometimes slowlies. I remember Gary Rucci, my dear friend, preached on it in this church many, many years ago. So, you know, some things take quite a while to get to, but then there's a moment. There's a moment. You just have to be in the right context with the right grasp of trusting God, and that giant is coming down. There's no way that thing's going to stand. But what happens if you're not ready? What happens if you're not prepared? What happens if you, you're relying on, you're leaning on what human nature says? Wear my armour, take my spear, take my... You'll never get that giant down. You'll be wiped out. You've got to trust in God's answer for your situation. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Then in verse 47, he says that this has been done um, to show something, that this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he'll give, you, uh, give it to you into your hand. So God's plan is that you do overcome your giants. His plan is never that you are killed off by something that's going to look to destroy you. It's not God's plan. God's plan is that through the tough stuff that you'll make incredible progress. And, you know, what's the nature of a giant? Well, they're tall, they're big, they're intimidating. Goliath was nearly three metres. That's nine foot nine in old school calculations. Powerful, arrogant, intimidating, controlling. They're all the nature. Whether the, the Goliath in your world is a real person, 
whether it's a, a scenario, whether it's pressure you've been put under by a circumstance, it's always powerful, arrogant, intimidating, and controlling. It wants to get you out of your comfort zone. So let's learn to, to beat our giants so we can trust that we will beat those giants when we have trust. And it made me think, actually, of another little story. Um, recently, I, I just, on the last Monday, in fact, I'd made a plan to meet with a couple that I'd met in Austria last year and I've known for a number of years. David and Monica, they lead a church, a small church in Austria. And last year I was out there, Liz and I went and we were able to, to sort of take a house fellowship weekend for them. And, and it was a retreat for the church over three or four days. Only a small church, maybe 60, 70 people. And um, it was a fantastic time. God always turns up. God always works. The Holy Spirit is always working in people's hearts. And on that occasion, you may re- remember this story. I shared it once before in the church that, that there was a small group that got created just a couple of years earlier. And this small group was, had about 12, 14 people in it. And they were all not churchgoers. They were Austrian, sort of Catholic heritage. And, um, and they got invited to this retreat, this church retreat. And throughout the three days, the, the, the men, one of the guys was really tall, six foot four, six foot five, big guy. There's a couple of guys that are really tough. They like to drink beer and drive fast cars. That was their thing. The really kind of classic Austrian gusto, that's what you were. And um, anyway, they were listening to the messages and they didn't feel like they wanted to really make decisions. Then on the Sunday morning, on the Sunday morning, something amazing of God, God's perfect timing, perfect situation. A challenge to respond to the trust in, and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. And the entire group came forward and said, well, that's for us. Individually, these tall men and their wives and some teenage kids, all of them. And the tall guys, the big guys, tears running down their cheeks. You couldn't make up. You could, I mean, I'm watching this thinking, only God can move those kind of mountains, let me tell you. Because that's not come from human persuasion. That's come from God touching someone's heart and changing them on the inside. And that's what happened. And coming back to the story of meeting Monica and David, last Monday uh, lunchtime, I met with them with Liz. And I didn't, we were just catching up with them. And David said to me, remember that, that whole life group that came to faith in the summer? I said, yeah, that was amazing. That's such a high number of people. He said, well, what is even more amazing or, or equally amazing? He said, just recently we had a small group discussion about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're talking about very traditional Austrians here who live in the sort of foothills of the mountains, who've just got their own way of doing things, who really have got a strong Catholic heritage and very religious views and not really living by faith historically, but have come to faith. And the conversation in the small group was all about the Holy Spirit. And can you believe this? Eight people in that small group all got filled with the Holy Spirit. They got completely baptised in the Holy Spirit. I was, I was just trying to picture this. The, the six foot five guy speaking in tongues. I mean, it, it must have been the most extraordinary thing to see them filled with the Spirit of God in a way they'd never experienced in their life before. That made me really think about our series, of tra- our series Transform that's coming up this coming weekend, starting over the next few months. You see, God wants us to be transformed. It's part of our vision statement. It's part of the faith that God has given us, and it's part of the trust that God wants us to encounter and experience. And maybe this season, it's a time for you to re-trust God himself. 
to, to re-establish your trust in him. So you face this, this new year, this new decade with all the confidence that God has for you. You know, as we come to the close, I'm just going to invite um, the worship team if they'll join. It's a very small worship team today, but they've done well, haven't they? Yeah. Let's welcome them as they come up, Shagan and, and the guys. You know, I, I was telling the story about David meeting Goliath, and we're talking about Christmas, and something dawned on me while I was, I was sitting in the worship in the second service. You know, Jesus is called the son of David. Who is David? It's the David he talked about putting his trust in God. We're talking about the David who beat the giant and faced many other giants. And when you flip into the New Testament, what's the very first book in the New Testament? The book of Matthew. What's the very first line in the book of Matthew? I'll read it to you. The book, this is it, Matthew 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The whole genealogy of Christ himself goes back to David, who talked to us in the Old Testament about trusting God. We talked about being planted like a tree near living, flowing water that's bearing fruit. What was the fruit that David's life produced? Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? That's incredible. The, the genealogy and God's plan and the power of faithfulness will produce something. You may not even see what it's going to produce in your own lifetime. You may have a generation coming through your world that you can be part of and you are part of. There may be a destiny that's going to happen to generations that follow you that benefit directly from your choice to put your trust in Jesus Christ, to put to, to, to re-trust Him this Christmas, to be willing to trust Him no matter what it looks like. And so don't let the puzzle of life overwhelm you. Don't be put off by the momentary failure or the loss of something or the pain of an experience. We've got to reset our trust in Christ and let God lead us and guide us. So please stand with me right now. We're going to just quickly pray and then, and then we're going to sing our final song of the morning. And Brian will close the service. We want lives that count for something. We want lives that are going to make a difference, not just in our experience, but in the experience of others. And perhaps another generation to follow that you yet have not seen. So let's close our eyes. And maybe, maybe something of what I've said this morning resonates with you. And you want to increase your trust in God today. You want to increase your trust in Jesus Christ. You want to rediscover trusting Him with all your heart. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you just want to affirm, yeah, my heart is to trust God with everything I've got. Then I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to pray for you. And if that's you, just raise your hand with me right now because I want to pray right into your situation, into my situation. I want to pray into our situation that God will enable us to overcome those giants, that we'll leave a legacy and a heritage of trusting in Him. So Father, thank You today that we can gather with freedom, that Lord God, that we can discover trust, that Lord God, that we can grow that trust, Lord. Beyond just having a hope, we can actually take steps of faith that become trust in You. I pray God for every person that's raised their hand this morning and everyone in this service.